0: Here we go. We're back. We're back. I like that. Was that from something? I don't know. Uh, You just have all these good references. Oh, yeah. I'm
1: back. You ever watch Independence Day?
0: I've seen bits and pieces.
1: Yeah. The guy's going with his airplane. He got abducted by aliens, and he was going to go up. His missile was jammed, and he said, I'm back. (laughs) I think that's where I got it from. I'm a movie aficionado, so...
0: Well, we're back and uh, excited about today's episode. We're hungry, but we're going to stick it out for you, even though we want to just go eat right now. Um, We're excited to continue our discussion on God's incommunicable (laughs) attributes. This is part two. So that means if you have not listened to part one, you really need to go listen to part one. You could still enjoy this episode, but part one... Um, We kind of laid the groundwork for some things, and we gave our 30-second definition, which I know you're just dying to hear. And so you need to go ahead and listen to part one, then jump back to part two, and that way you can pick up where we left off on God's incommunicable attributes. But if you're just stubborn and you're not going to go back, God's incommunicable attributes are those attributes that we can't. Uh, also have, that God cannot communicate or give to us, like God's eternity, God's self-existence and the like. So that is what we're talking about today. So our next one, this is the one I think most people like to talk about. I really do. This is God's omnipotence, which means that God is all powerful. And so when we look at the Bible, Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Psalm 62, 11 says, once God has spoken twice, I've heard this, that power belongs to God. And Matthew 26, 64 says, Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, Jesus says, most likely talking about you know God the Father here, but how does he describe him? Power. power. And so that's a, a key uh, aspect of who God is. And so in many passages in the Bible, we hear God referred to as God Almighty. This is God's power. God is powerful to his foes. God is powerful in creation. God's powerful in delivering Uh, from Egypt, God's powering and powerful and saving men from sin. God is powerful and basically doing what he wants. That's what we see in scripture. But with everything, we've got our um, scriptural information, but then we like to break it down kind of logically, philosophically, or, you know, whatever. So how can we reasonably break down God's omnipotence?
1: Well, I like to say that God is all powerful and able to do anything consistent with His own nature. That's how I describe His omnipotence, and I like the word Almighty. We um, we sing a song here: "Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yeah, who can stop the Lord? You know." And so we we like that word. We use that word, and it's actually the the Hebrew word El Shaddai, which I'm having a little Amy Grant moment right here. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Da, 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 da. You, you never heard that song. I have no That's idea you. what you're talking yeah, you about. You need to go Google Amy Grant singing El Shaddai. All that right. Was, that was the early days of Christian <laughs> Christian music. So, um, yeah, I, I think that um, when I think about the omnipotence of God, I think about Jeremiah who said, uh, asked the rhetorical question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. And the answer, of course, is no. I think of the story of uh, the Annunciation when Gabriel came to Mary and she said, you know, he said, you're going to have give, give birth to the Son of God. She said, How can this be that I've not known a man? She she wasn't questioning the whole thing. She just was trying to it's figure wondering. out the process. Yeah. It was for her, it was just I'm I'm in. I'm all mm-hmm. in, but how's this going to work? Yeah. And he said, you know, the the, the power of the shadow of you, the Holy Spirit, and that thing was be born of you, you called the son of God. And, and he said with, with God nothing shall be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, the disciples came to Jesus and and uh, Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and they said well if rich people can't get saved then what what's the chance of we poor people and and jesus said with men things are impossible with god nothing mm. shall be impossible so when you think about the power of god you think about the, 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 that there is uh, his actual power and even the potential that he spoke everything into existence out of nothing yeah i mean when you you we, we can't even fathom The power of God, what God is able to do. And and that that power is released through his spoken word. God said, let there be, and there was. And that man who came to Jesus, that that centurion who said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. He understood the power of God that if he just speaks it, it'll happen. So this this is important. I think this is one that we all gravitate to because we like to think that where we are limited, there is a being who can do whatever needs to get done and can come through for us.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I would say as we look at this definition of who God is, um, so I like everything that we just talked about because that's where it really applies, which is God's power over creation, God's power over sin, God's power to help us and, and, and be with us. But I think... We too, just in wanting to learn more about God, we've broken it down philosophically, and we've asked some fun questions. So I would say starting off, the most important thing before we even head on to the philosophy and everything (coughs) is that God can do anything and that if you are a child of God, he has the power to free you from sin, to deliver you through darkness, to give you eternal life, We see that he can make the sun stand still. He can raise people from the dead. He can walk on water. Heal your body. Heal your body. Like the God that is on your side, there is nothing too hard for him. And so before we get into the abstract, can we just celebrate that? We don't serve a weak God or a weird God or a God that just can't get it done. Like whatever he sets his mind to, he does. Um, I, there's a scripture, this is the Lord does what he pleases. We're going to talk about that in sovereignty, but he does what he wants because he has the power to do it. Well, I read this, and I think it's pretty cool because
1: it sort of pulls together, ties together, some of the other attributes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a writer said, what God chooses to do, he always accomplishes. That's good. So that gets back to his independence and his choice. Mm-hmm. And And he said three things. He said, and this will help somebody, he said, God knows what to do. That's his knowledge. Okay, we, there are times we don't have an answer. We don't know what to do. But God always knows what to do. That's the first one. And then second, he chooses to do the right. Yeah. So if it's the right thing to do, God will always choose to his do wisdom. it. wisdom. He knows how right. to
0: apply that knowledge.
1: Exactly. Then third, he's capable of doing what he knows to do and what he chooses to do. And that's his power.
0: I just thought you that was know, pretty I've good. Heard, I've heard someone call that his omnicompetence.
1: Omnicompetence.
0: <sighs> God, know, God knows everything, He knows what to do with it, and He has the power to do it. There exactly you go. what you just said. That All is right. crazy. Cool. It, I mean, I, but you know, I want us to dive into the abstract and the you know what does it mean that God's omnipotent because it's fun and it's philosophical and whatever. But I didn't want to just speed by the fact that uh, in every day in life, you're not gonna be going, well, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick up? Right. But well, you are going to be going, It's God powerful enough to heal my body or save me from this or, or give bring me, me a through? job? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the reality is that he is. Right. And He he still works within his creation. Like we talked about, His omnipresence, he wants to manifest himself in a unique way. And he's everywhere at once. He's vested in our lives. He has the power to work in our lives, to do things for us. Like God is always there. He's interested in us. He has the power to bring things about. I mean, this all kind of all of his attributes play together. And I just didn't want to rush by that.
1: No, and I mean, isn't your faith isn't one part of your faith in the in God's ability to do what needs to be done in his power? yeah because okay, faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God, so we we hear what God has said he can do, what he promises he will do, we have faith in that, we have faith in his faithfulness, but ultimately, I have to have faith that he's reliable, yeah, that what he said he'll do he can he can carry through
0: they're not even just good intentions right right
1: he actually can do it, yeah, and that's why the omnipotence of God, I think, ties directly to our faith in our day to day living, including saving me. Do I really believe God can save me? Does He have the power to save me?
0: Does does God have the power to uh, lay down His life and pick it up again? Did Jesus really rise again? <laughs> yeah,
1: does He have mm-hmm. the power to take on flesh and die, and that that death be yeah. sufficient enough to cover my sins and the sins of all sinful humanity? So, yeah, our, His power is really important. Exactly. So let's get into the the the. The The, the the insanity. Well, yeah, the (laughs) philosophical and the insanity. Because, And really more importantly, the question is, so let's ask it this way. Does the power of God, and now now that we've just said God can do anything, okay, but does the power of God have any limitations?
0: I believe the power of God does have limitations. I believe that it has two limitations. Specifically, all right. Give them to me. Here's my definition, and it's it's nuanced. You know, I'll break it down because you know, I'll break it down. Here's what it means. It is the possession of all logically possible powers, which it is logically possible for a being with the attributes of God to possess. Now, let me break these two things down. It'll make sense. This means that God's all powerful. But he can't sin. All right, let's just stop there. So let's create a category. Let's call them
1: natural limitations. Yes. Natural, not dealing with nature, birds chirping trees, but the nature of Of God. God. So when it comes to the nature of God, these are natural limitations. So because God is holy and sinless and perfect, he does not have the capacity or the power
0: To sin. sin. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So when I say the powers which is largely possible for a being with the attributes of God to possess, one of God's attributes is holiness. So therefore, that limits his power to sin because he has the attribute of perfect holiness. Before
1: you go to your second one, so keep going. Can God lie? No. So God doesn't have the power to lie because he is truth. Can God be tempted to sin?
0: Um. No, not in his divine essence. Because the no. Bible says he cannot be tempted. Jesus was, but in his human nature.
1: Well, he can be tempted, but he but he's not going to be. Okay, yeah. Can he deny himself? No, no. Paul said he cannot deny himself. If we didn't, if we deny him, he cannot deny himself. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that are relative to his nature as God. He will not, cannot do anything that will violate his divine nature. Exactly. All right. So there are natural limitations which we're glad for, and it, and that's yes. just logical common sense. Yes. But so what's your second gr- category?
0: So this also means that God is all-powerful, but he cannot do anything that is illogical, that goes against logic. So here's what I mean. Well, let me, let me help you there. Logically absurd yes. or contradictory? It is logically contradictory. So what I mean is... God cannot create a square circle. He can't create a married bachelor. He can't do things that literally do not make sense because they are logically contradictory. Right, so the classic one that has been asked
1: is, can God make a rock so big that he can't pick it up?
0: So I think the answer to that is in God's immutability. So if God were to make a rock so big that he couldn't pick up, he would then cease to be omnipotent. Well, then he would lose an attribute that makes him God, so he'd not be God. He would also lose his immutability because then he would change from being omnipotent to not omnipotent. And because God cannot change, he therefore can't make the rock. Like he literally can't make the, that rock that big because it would necessitate change.
1: Well, you're and you're going down a road of trying to rationalize it to rationalize the, the 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 argument against the irrational, yes. This the, the even quicker response to that is it's absurd. It's just logically absurd to to come up with an idea that you make a rock so big that you can't pick it. I mean, it's just absurd yeah. that you're saying you're starting with a being that has so much power that he can do anything, but now you're asking him to do something
0: that he can't, so do. that he can
1: no longer <laughs> do everything. Yeah. See, that's logically absurd. Mm-hmm. That's contradictory. And oh, so yeah. it, it it whatever sense it might make to somebody, it 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 contradicts itself. See? So it's self-defeating mm-hmm. in the fact yeah. that it it violates you're you're assuming things about God that create violations of his nature. Yeah. So it it it's it, it's not going to happen. The, the, the one
0: we were talking about earlier before the podcast started, was um, can God create an immovable light post? Well, yes. Can God create an irresistible cannonball, which means like no wall is strong enough to stand up against it or whatever, like it is going to power through? Well, yes. But can God create them at the same time? No. No. Because it's logically inconsistent to have a cannonball that can't be resisted by anything and then have a light, pulse, light post that literally
1: can't move. That can resist anything. So if the cannonball hits the light post, yeah, they, like it make who sense. gives way? It's contradictory. Exactly. And that's the whole point. Well, theologians like to word it this way. God can only do those things that are the proper objects of his power. Mm-hmm. That's a a phrase that might be a little foreign to some of our listeners or maybe all of our listeners, but it's a good phrase. He can only do those things that are the proper objects of his power. In other words, whatever his power can do that falls within line with his nature and his plan, his purpose, et cetera, that's what we mean when we say God's all-powerful. That's what he can do. And so just to carry it out, he can't make two plus two. Somebody say, can he make two plus two equal six? No, two plus two. Well, why can't he? He's God. Well, because it's it's not the proper object of his power. It's contradictory. It's illogical. It's absurd. Okay. Um, God cannot make wrong right. Yeah. You know, can 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 God make... So, um, but on a more positive note, God cannot fail to do what he's promised.
0: Mm.
1: Now, that's a good thing. Yeah. So that gets back to whatever God promised. You can count on it, and he'll always come through for us.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's a fun conversation, though. I I bet a lot of our listeners have heard the rock conversation, and they're like,
1: "What?" (laughs) Yeah, he cannot. He can only do the things that are the proper objects of his power.
0: That's good. Well, now we move on to a closely related topic, but a little bit different, and that is God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is closely aligned with God's omnipotence, but sovereignty clarifies the extent to which God uses his powers. In what way does God take his everything that he can do and then apply it to creation, to humanity, to whatever? And so divine sovereignty can be found as God's power of absolute self-determination. He makes choices on his own and performs actions on his own. So, what differ, differentiates sovereignty between humans and angels and God is that of absolute self determination. Here's what I mean is that for humans and angels, we have all kinds of outside influences that are uh, directly or indirectly changing us, they're forming us, they're forming our thoughts or our abilities or our whatevers. And kind of like I mentioned in the last podcast, God, no one can force God's hand. And so, He has that sort of self determination. And, uh, and can do what he wants without outside, unwanted outside influence. So once again, God listens to the prayers of his people. We talked about um, earlier how God you know, will uh, act consistent within his nature. If a sinner repents, he will move from punishment to forgiveness, different things like that. Just no one can force God. No one can force his hand. And then God can't like subliminally— be influenced and not realize that somebody's changing the way that he's thinking and playing mind games with him. Like you can't do that to God.
1: Yeah. He's Lord over all creation and in complete control of all things. And he does what he wants to do. And I think that's what we mean by that. And um, I like that fact that nobody can influence him. If he, if he does something uh, he does it because it's, it's what he wants to do and it's in his nature um, and it's his choice, and uh, you don't tell the king what the king can can't do. Yeah, I mean, we talk about sovereign nations, and sovereign nations, uh, if one nation begins to exert influence uh, and try to tell another nation what to do, the leader of that nation will say that the sovereign nation of whatever uh, will not be Will not yield mm-hmm. or be directed by another nation. We will do what's best for our country. We will make choices for us and what we will for we are sovereign nation, see? And yeah. I think that's the same thing. God is gonna do what he's what he wants to do because he's sovereign. He's the king. A sovereign is a king. Yeah. And so he's in, in control.
0: Um Let's go ahead and give the biblical evidence before we add any more to this. <clears throat> Psalm 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Um, we know that God has ownership and control over nature. Psalm fifty ten 10 says, um, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. We get that sort of kingship, kind of like you were talking about sovereign nation. This is mine. I own it. I do whatever I want with what I own. Psalm five six says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the deeps. We also see that God is sovereign in governments. First Chronicles 29.12 says, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And Paul says in Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And that we even know that God is sovereign in salvation in the sense that he chose Christ as Savior and Christ submitted. It was God's choice. It was decision. It was his plan that he put forward. He wanted to save us because he wanted to, and he chose how he was going to do it. First Peter 1 Peter 1.20 says he was foreknown, talking about Jesus, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of of you. So we see God's sovereignty, his decision to rule in a lot of different places, in whatever he wants to do, in nature, in governments and governmental authority, and the way that he chose to save us through Christ. We see God choosing that power in all kinds of different ways. I think the government one really, like, I think that's a hard one to wrap people's heads around, that God is sovereign overall, and yet in God's decision... Making, he has established government and has allowed them a measure of rule. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, I think thinking through that, a lot of people ask, "Okay, so does that mean God selected North Korea? Like God, you know, God wants He put Kim Jong Un in power. You know what I mean? And in, in God's sovereignty, does that mean that He is choosing all of the world leaders, or that He has sovereignly chose?" chosen government to be a good, way to rule the world. And even above terrible governments, he still rules. Yeah, I think ultimately he rules. I don't know. That would
1: be a good question. Uh, You know, you read in the Bible and it looks like he puts certain people in place, whether he puts every national leader in that place and they're just pawns
0: on a chessboard. I don't know that I have the answer to that. Maybe quite honest. This is just me just (laughs) word vomiting. Maybe he doesn't put them in place. He allows them in place. Well, he definitely allows (laughs) him because he's sovereign. So, because he's ultimate and sovereign. But I'll tell you the
1: two things I get out of this. Um, First of all, because God is in control, God has a plan. Yeah. So, you you don't go through this life just being born, living, working, getting married, having kids, whatever, and then dying, and that's it. There's a plan for your life, there's Mm -hmm. a purpose. He is, he is, he's not just the king, he's your king. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. You're his subject. So, he has a plan for you. He's got a job for you to do. There's purpose in life because he's sovereign. Second, um, I like to teach this as a pastor. If you know that God is sovereign, it'll get you through any crisis or any trial. What gets you through is you'll you'll just stop and say, "Phew, this thing's overwhelming, but I know one thing. God is in control. God is in control. And as long as you know God is in control, then you can say, I'm going to get through this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I always think back to that story of Joseph, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, yep, you know, and that he can take um even our worst decisions or humanity's worst decisions and sin and evil and whatever else, and then he can just twist it, you know, he can allow it and just say, Fine, I'm just going to hijack this operation and do what I want with it, and uh, we can rest in that yes. and 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 know what he will do there, so yep, yeah, I think that's great. Well, now let's move on to kind of a different category. Let's move on to the next omni. We've talked about God's omnipresence. We've talked about his, uh, his being omnipotent, that he has all power. Now we know that God is omniscient. Let's talk about God's omniscience. This means that God possesses infinite knowledge or knowledge to 100%. He, he possesses all knowledge. Um, Job thirty six verse four says, "For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. God knows the things that could happen." Matthew eleven twenty one, "Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes." Psalm one thirty five five says, "To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever." Forever, excuse me. God knows everyone and what they're doing. Jeremiah twenty three twenty four. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Declares the Lord. We know, um, you know. Jeremiah said basically, you form me in my womb. You know me in my innermost innermost parts. Like God knows everything, including us, including our thoughts. He knows everything intimately. He possesses all knowledge. Yes. Um, but let's start with the philosophical issues and then we'll, we'll go practical because of this, it kind of brings up some different issues of when we say God knows stuff, what do we mean? So some people will bring up, well, God can't possibly know what it's like to feel pain or to feel fear or to feel anxiety or whatever. Therefore, God doesn't know everything. But I think it's important to point out that you can know when someone is going through something, know what that thing is, and know all about it without experiencing something. For instance, if you were scared right now, I know what fear is, and I know I could know why you're scared, and I could know your reactions, I could observe it, but at no point am I ever going to feel what you're feeling. That's true of every single human being. God may not be able to feel fear, but any fear I feel is unique only to me. Does that make sense? That's an unfair expectation to say, God, you should be able to feel fear, which all of our feelings are unique to ourselves. Does that make sense? So no human... They can relate in a general feeling, but not a specific feeling. And we can all know what a certain thing is without experiencing it ourselves. I
1: think that statement <clears throat> demands that God be able to sympathize with me. When I say God can't feel my pain or my fear, we're assuming that the only way God can relate to me is if God has experienced pain and fear and therefore has his own pain and fear and thus can sympathize and empathize with me as I'm hurting or as I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. But that might be true for another human. But for God, who is perfect in knowledge, that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not that you say, well, can God sympathize with me? Yes, he can sympathize with you, okay, Because, because God is a perfect being, And this is what you have to understand. It doesn't—see, pain or fear is required for me. I have to have my own personal pain and fear for me to sympathize with you. Mm -hmm. Because I can say, well, I've been afraid before, or, man, I've hurt before. But when you're a perfect being, that's not necessary for God. God perfectly knows what—even though he's never experienced pain, he doesn't know fear but he understands it perfectly because he has a capability that none of the rest of us have. Yeah. So it's not fair to try to paint God in a picture that doesn't apply to him. It is interesting, though, that because Jesus came and robed with flesh, the Bible says that he was attempted in all points just as we are, yet without sin. Yeah. So he became like us in every fashion. And But does that mean Jesus, whatever, we know he felt pain. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to say now, well, does God— God's never felt pain. Well, in the incarnation, Jesus felt pain through the through the crucifixion. Yep, He even experienced death. So if you have death in your life, God doesn't know about it. Well, yeah, he lost his son. Uh, of course, he came back to life. So the humanity, the human nature died. God didn't die. But my point is, uh, did Jesus ever know fear? Probably not. I mean, he may have, but I just don't know that he had. But I guess the point is... Um, God does know. He does he doesn't have to have experiential knowledge yeah. of something to have knowledge.
0: It's just not true of any creature. Even if you and I experience pain, you've never experienced my pain. Right. It's, it's impossible. Very subjective. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's so, objective
1: concept and then
0: there's a the subjective Exactly. Yeah. But we can both know what pain is, how to, you know, yes. understand it, whatever. So I think I think that's an unfair expectation. It's irrelevant. And um, you know, if if you want to put that little concession on there, you know, fine. God's never experienced sin either, but He knows all about it. You know, so I think that's a bit unfair. So I think when we add our definition there, it's knowing everything that a being with attributes such as God's can know. And so, you know, maybe He doesn't whatever He doesn't feel it, but He knows. He knows what it is. He knows how to describe it. I would say that this omniscience is, once again, one of the most comforting attributes of God because he knows everything. And we are so finite, we are so limited in our understanding. One of the most comforting things is if you can surrender control and surrender knowing stuff to God and cast it on him, there is someone out there who is on your side who knows
1: Everything. Well, Proverbs 3 5 and 6 comes to mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, mm-hmm. but in all your ways acknowledge Him. Why do I go acknowledge Him? Because He knows everything. Yeah. And then He shall direct your paths. Yeah. Now, here's my definition God knows everything, um, things actual and possible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: perfectly and equally well. That's good. So He doesn't know more about one subject and less about another. Mm-hmm. He knows everything about everything perfectly well. Uh, this means God never so can't give can you some things to think about. Yeah. God never wonders.
0: <laughs>
1: he never ponders. He never ponders or wonders. You know. He uh he never seeks information. God never googles. <laughs> God never googles. God never googles. That
0: should be on a t shirt. It should be.
1: God never googles. <laughs> um God never asks questions. Yeah. Because he already has the answers. You said, Well, the the Bible has times where God asks questions. Absolutely, but if he does, it's always for the benefit mm-hmm. of the person. He already knows the answer. Not for lack. Yeah, it's not for lack. He's asking them rhetorically, or he's asking them for the for their benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. You come up with that answer. You, I'm going to give you the answer so that you can learn something here. Um, I think that the um, the omniscience of God means that nothing catches God by surprise. Mm-hmm. We have things in life that catch us off guard and rock our world, and we run to God, and God's like. Knew it was coming, because I know everything. I know I know not only what has been, what is, but I know what's go- going to be.
0: Now, can I can I ask a question here that I think is appropriate? No, no, okay. you can go ahead. So, when we speak of God's omniscience, are is part of His omniscience fueled by the fact that He is eternal and He is omnipresent, and so it's not that God just knows stuff. But God is outside of time, everywhere all at once. And so he knows and experiences everything that is happening, will happen, has happened. It all ties together. That's why I said <laughs> Does that he makes is, sense. Like he he is, he's already there. He is, so.
1: he is not the sum of all these components that we're talking about. We're, yeah. we're breaking him down because that's how we have to deal with him. But mm-hmm. he is one being, which we're gonna get to here in a minute. Yeah. And so yes, it all ties together that because mm. He is eternal because he is infinite, because he's unlimited by time or space, because he's in the past, present, and future, because he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, because he's Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, he's already there. He's mm. he's already in the future as well as the past as, as the present because he's multidimensional, if we want to say that. He is everywhere at all places all the time, and that means he's in the future. So, yeah, he does know whether whether he knows inherently because he's God yeah. or whether he knows that and experientially because he's already there. That's crazy. Messes with your brain. That's wonderful, though. That's awesome. Yep. Here's the other thing. Um, you can trust God's Word because God's knowledge is perfect. Uh-huh. I thought that's worth talking about because we live in a society in America uh, where we have, we, we're ignorant of the Bible, we're illiterate of the Bible, we've rejected the Bible as the source of absolute moral truth, so this has created a moral crisis in our nation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a serious crisis. But if we can get back to understanding that God knows everything and his knowledge is perfect, then what he has given us, our source of his knowledge, which is his written word, then it can be trusted. It, it's reliable, which includes the moral aspect of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I thought,
1: I thought that comes into play there. Um, I think this is just the, the best part, and this is kind of the pastor coming out of me. God knows who you are. That ought to make you feel good. Yeah, The Bible says he calls the stars, each of the stars by name. God has named every star in all of the galaxy, all the universe. Mm-hmm. Every star has a name, and he knows your name. Um, he knows how to bring you through a trial. He knows how to bring you out of a trial. He knows the answer to your question. He knows the the solution to your problem. He just knows what you're going through. Yeah. It's not like he's up in heaven and he's got his head turned and you're wondering, God, where are you? And do you not see? And kind of like the disciples on the boat, God, don't you care? He sees, he knows, he cares because he knows what's going on.
0: That's right. And I think, too, when we think about God's omniscience, it should um, it should produce a, a healthy humility in us. That I think oftentimes we can get a big head on what we think we know or we know the best how to handle this situation or whatever when God knows far more than we do. And so, hey, before you make a heavy decision in your life, why don't you pray about it? Why don't you seek counsel about it? Why don't you seek God's word about it? He knows a lot more than we do. And so, don't get don't get too puffed up, you know, in thinking you know exactly what is right because God knows everything. He knows what could happen, what will happen. He knows what to do. He's got all of the facts. And um, and and I think we should have a healthy humility that says. I better consult God on everything, you know, or else cuz I'm just not that good. That's I just why you, don't have it.
1: And that's why you got to stay in the Bible, stay in the word cuz yep. it really it is the source of God's knowledge. Yeah. and and, and it's so wonderful. That's I guess good. that leads us to the the next trait which is wisdom. They sort of connect
0: together. Absolutely. So they what do. what how do you define wisdom,
1: the wisdom of God?
0: So wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge to accomplish ends in the best way for God's glory and his creatures, which was really, really comforting. And wisdom is basically taking that knowledge and knowing what to do with it. I mean, think about this. Imagine if you had, imagine if you had an om, omnipotent God with all power, a God with all knowledge, but not the wisdom to know what to do with it. That could be dangerous. I mean, he could screw some stuff up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a lot of power (laughs) without wisdom to do with it. I'm sure you probably know some people right now who have a lot of power, a lot of sphere of influence, probably have a lot of knowledge, but they're some of the dumbest people you
1: know. (laughs) (laughs) They've made
0: terrible decisions in their life, terrible business decisions, terrible marital decisions, not because they're not smart or powerful, they just ain't got it.
1: Yeah, they're called United States congressmen and senators. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of them inside that Beltway in D.C. right now <laughs> that have that pass these stupid laws, and you go, you have absolutely no wisdom. once you did not think this thing That's through? That's
0: Hilarious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, now you. Now you're going to get me off on a tangent on government. Governor McMaster's oh, last gosh. month closing the the boat ramps for all of we fishermen who don't go to party islands. We just go out there and fish. And anyway, so. oh,
0: let's bring it back to God. Okay. I'm it, sorry. Bring it back I'm, to the I'm, heavenly governor. I'm on i
1: tan- I'm on a tangent right now, but
0: I think that puts it in perspective that we're not just being extra. When we talk about God's wisdom, it's like, come on, you already mentioned his knowledge. Well, no, you can possess the facts and not know what to do with them. Right. But God is wise and that he possesses the facts but he knows exactly how to work every little situation out where he doesn't have to deliberate, but he knows and has the power to work it out for his glory and for your benefit. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. God's wisdom is utterly unique from the wisdom of the world. We preach what the world thinks is is folly, is stupid, right, is, is, is low, and God uses it to save us. His wisdom is different than our wisdom. He knows exactly what to do, how to save us, and it's different from ours. Job six five. behold, God is mighty and does not despise any. He is mighty in strength and understanding. We see God's wisdom displayed in creation. Psalm 104.24 says, O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures." First, First Corinthians 124, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Wisdom is personified in Christ. Do you want to know how to be wise, or what wisdom looks at? Look at Jesus. And then thankfully, and this is really comforting for me, the Lord gives wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 through 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. I didn't put it down, but it's in um, James chapter 1. Maybe it's verse 6 or 7 where he basically says, I, I, I can't remember the verse, but if you don't have wisdom, pray for it and pray in faith and God will give it to you. Yeah, if
1: any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously. Yes. Um and and he will. Yeah, wisdom is important to God. If you read the Proverbs, uh it says the 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 above all get wisdom yeah. before rubies and jewels and diamonds and gold and silver and anything else in this life get wisdom because if you get wisdom you'll get those things. Yeah. They'll be the result of wisdom. Mm-hmm. You can have those things but with no wisdom you'll squander them. Yep. Or waste them or whatever. So the Bible says and particularly it's not just general wisdom but it's godly wisdom. Yeah. That's why you read your Bible. So the wisdom of God um is uh is pretty powerful because in his dealings with us he always knows how to make the right decision for us. I like to say it this way. God always produces the best results from the best possible means. That's good. That's what, that's what his mm-hmm. wisdom does for, for, for creation and specifically for us. Mm-hmm. It's always the best possible result from the best possible means.
0: I would say this is something that's comforting and both something that we have to re- receive in faith. I, I'm sure that a lot of times in our lives we sit back and deliberate and go, well, what if, what if, what if it would have ended this way? What if God could have just done this thing? What if he could have just come through in this way or whatever? And we sit and we think, and we think, and we think we have to step back and go, no, God knows the facts. He knows the possibilities and it came out this way. Well, and we're trusting that.
1: What I have, you know, doing this for now 32 years, I've, I've had members who were my friends who went on business ventures, did everything right, and it fell through, and it cost them, and it was painful, and it was difficult. And, of course, you go through that, and you're like, God, why? Mm -hmm. You know, why did this happen? And ultimately, you have to trust the wisdom of God. And sometimes in this life, you get the answer to that why, and you look and you realize, you know, sometimes you don't. It mm-hmm. may be we have to get to heaven. And it takes real faith to trust God in, in those times and trust his wisdom Yeah, to say, God, you knew better. Uh, there's a country song that says, thank God for unanswered prayers. Yeah, Because there are prayers we've prayed that if God would have answered them, oh, we'd be in a mess. Mm-hmm. But God in his wisdom said, no, no, I'm not going to give that to you. I'm not going to do that for you because if I do – you your the consequences will be so negative that you'll rue the day you ever ask me. Yeah. And at the point in the moment we think God's being mean. It's like our parents when we were young, um, and here I'm your dad, but you know, they you were a good kid, but but there are a few times I had to discipline you and you know, anytime your parent disciplines you, you know, you think they're mean and they're bad, but what you don't realize is in their wisdom they're looking out for mm-hmm. you. And so I think that's what we say about the wisdom of God is that God's protecting us. God's looking out for us. And, and uh, God knows what's best. And that there's a faith element again is can you trust him? Yeah. How many times have, have we done things that we knew we weren't supposed to do that God said, don't do this. We did it anyway. And then afterwards we rue the day and we said, oh man, why didn't I just listen to mm-hmm. God? Mm-hmm. And you could almost hear God saying, I, I knew better. Yeah, I tried to tell you. You know, thank God, His grace is He. He redeems us. There might be consequences, but He redeems us and helps us to keep going. So um, this is really important. Thank yeah. God that we have a wise God, an all-wise God.
0: And I think it's important to highlight that fact we read earlier that God's wisdom is unlike the wisdom of the world. And so maybe another faith aspect of it is that when God calls us to trust Him and the way that God works and deals with the world looks really, I mean, to other people, it looks stupid. Like, And I I mean that seriously, that when you go tell people, I believe in a man who lived on the earth, who died and rose again, and that fixed everything, (laughs) you know, people look at that and go, you're a crazy person.
1: Yeah, the gospel is foolishness. And so you have to, to in
0: faith, go, no, 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 that's not true. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to choose to trust God and his dealings and his ways that he knows what's happening, even if it looks stupid to the ways of the world because they just don't get it. Right. They just don't understand. And so when God calls me to faith, when God calls me to that crazy thing, when God calls me to give my time there, give that you know amount of money to that needy family or whatever, there's a, there's a host of different things. For most people, it looks illogical, irrational, or whatever. We have to slow down and stop and go, no. God knows what he's doing. Yep. And sometimes you don't get support from the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. Well, that leads us to our last one, unity.
0: Complete different turn here, but yep. still good, still important. Um here we see that there is only one God and he is totally and completely unique. He is the one God and there's no one like him. All other gods are idols. They're false. They're not real. So there's one God. And even from those false idols, like even if we said, yeah, those are actual gods, which they're not, God is totally and completely unique and different from them. So that's how we see God's unity. Um, when we look at God's oneness in the scriptures, the key passage is what is called the Shema. Deuteronomy 6 more, 6, four. hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy four hundred thirty nine Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven and above and on the earth beneath, there is no other. Mark twelve thirty two says, You're right, teacher, you have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. Um, then when we look at God's uniqueness, Exodus eight ten says and he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. He is completely unique in miracles. Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 39 basically replays God's powerful miracles in delivering God's people from Egypt. And God's basically asking what, what puny gods out there can do what I can do, can part the Red Sea, can bring all of these plagues, can do all of these amazing things. They can't do it. And then the Bible also shows um, how God alone can predict the future without error. Isaiah 44 says, who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. God is one, and he is totally unique, which I think is awesome.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think the holiness of God connects with this.
0: I, that's exactly what I was thinking. The first thing that came to my mind was, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are holy, and there is no one like you.
1: Yeah, because that's what holiness means. It, there's There are two aspects to the, to the holiness of God, and maybe we'll talk about that in another episode. Uh, one obviously has to do that he's pure, that he's, that he's set apart morally from anybody else. He's perfect, righteous, perfect morally. But the other aspect of God's holiness is that he is different from anything else in all creation. That he is unique. Um and so I think that's the same thing here with the unity of God. This is really this is really shocked this concept of God, excuse me, shines when you look at the false gods mm-hmm. that are talked about in the Bible. And and really God there were a lot of them. And we still have false gods today. They yeah. may not be wooden idols, but there are things that we put in front of God and worship mm-hmm. we put anything you put before God is is an idol and um, the whole point was they're not God they're not your God don't yeah. make them a god don't make them something they can't be because you can call them a God but they're not a God yeah they're a god with a little G and they're not real they're a false God there's only one God mm-hmm. and he is the true and the living God
0: so when you hold up Our God to the other little gods, finger quotes, of the world, you see how much brighter he shines, how much greater he is, and how he's far more worthy of being followed. I think that's part of the whole Exodus narrative is that God did all of this crazy stuff to take these like idol worshipers and go, don't go back to them. (laughs) Yeah. They never did anything like this. And I think we can probably do the same thing today that when we look at money, or when we look at you know sexual pleasure, when we look at you name it, power, none of those things could ever accomplish what God has accomplished in history and even right now.
1: Yes, and and uh, we we end up serving those things, yeah. And you're only supposed to serve, you know, the Lord, yeah. When it comes to your life, mm-hmm. you know what what is the number one? So yeah, this is. A, I know it's a, this one might be less dramatic. But it is good, I think, to close out by saying, um, make sure that in your life that you only have one God. Mm-hmm. You can have things that you enjoy and people that you love and things that you enjoy doing, but keep them within the, the proper perspective that they are just people and things to to enjoy. But the the one that you serve and you obey and that you live for, there's only one, mm-hmm. and that's God. And keep him unique. Don't don't downplay God. Don't let the world d- deflate him. Let him exalt him, magnify him, keep him big, okay? Mm. He he created everything. When everything's gone, there'll still be God. That's good. And and then by virtue of being saved, you belong to him. And you have a connection with him. He's made you unique. You're not what you used to be. Yeah and And I think another thing of this is that God should be valuable to us don't don't make God um less than what he should be, yeah, you know if you go to a uh, you know an antique shop and you're looking for antique and you find an antique something that was created and there's only one left in the whole world, people would pay an exorbitant amount of money to mm-hmm. possess that because. There's only one. It's one of a kind. It's one of a kind, and people would so, just so they could have it. Well, I didn't have to pay any money, but I have, I have the greatest one mm. of a kind that lives in my heart.
0: Yeah, and that's God. Uh, that's great, and and I think as far as the uniqueness of God goes, you touched on this earlier. Every God has their own sacrifice, and um, I think let's look at the sacrifices that we give to God and the sacrifices you have to give for the other idols of the world. Man, if you want to sacrifice for money. I mean, sacrificing your morality. Sometimes time, I mean you can sacrificing your family, yeah, time, yeah. whatever. Um, you know, you, you name it. You know, you, you whatever. You, you name it. Uh, there's always a sacrifice. But when we look at God, what are our sacrifices? They're spiritual sacrifices. They're thanksgiving. They're doing good to others. They're mm-hmm. showing love to God and to neighbor. They're throwing away anger and malice and envy and bitterness and jealousy and working together and faithfulness and love and unity, those are our sacrifices, our spiritual sacrifices that we give to God. Now compare those. Do you, do you want to slaughter your family? Do you want to slaughter your time? Do you want to slaughter your holiness? Do you want to slaughter your peace? Or do you want to slaughter bitterness and anger and all of these terrible things and offer up to God your whole life?
1: That's good good way good way to end it
0: well look thanks for, for joining us for uh for this episode on god's incommunicable attributes once again if you just powered through this one but you didn't listen to the first episode go back and listen to it i think you'll enjoy it thank you for joining us give us a rating subscribe to us give us a five-star review, please, please, please send this podcast to somebody that needs it, that can learn and grow from it and join us in a couple of weeks when we get back to it. We will see you then.